to God. Anyone else sense the sweet presence of the Lord in this auditorium today? God is so good. And what I've discovered is as much as I want to spend time with him, he wants to spend time with us more. You don't have to do this life by yourself. You don't. You are not alone. Amen. 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 Well, we're going to go and dive into the word. Had a week of just reflecting and spending concentrated time in the word of God. And I pray that your hearts are open and ready to receive the word on today. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, you can greet two people as you're being seated and open with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you to keep your heart open this morning. Because the Spirit of God desires to do something in our midst. And I've come to a point where, as it relates to sermon prep, I'm really not trying to figure out the right words to say. My only focus is to completely decrease out of vents so the Holy Spirit can do what he desires to do in our midst. Believe it or not, sermons rarely change people. Rarely. What changes a person is when they come into contact with the power of God and his love. And so the Lord uses sermons as a conduit to share and to show his power and his love. But it's a two-way street. This morning, I'm going to ask you all to open up your hearts. I'm going to ask you that whatever was going on before you arrived today, whatever you dealt with even walking in the building, whatever was on your mind during praise and worship, let that go. Let that go. And open your heart to receive from the Lord. Uh, The message that I'll be ministering today is uh, really the whole goal is to shift your perspective and to shift your vantage point as it relates to life. And my goal is to ultimately uh, present a balance of grace and faith in light of the new covenant. There's a myth that when we're born again and we're, quote, unquote, doing all the, quote, unquote, right things, that life won't happen to us. But there's also a myth that when life does happen to us, that it was something that we did. 
And all the time, that's not the case. Sometimes it is, but 100%. It's not right. But what if you, every time life hits you, you didn't view it as something negative, but you viewed it as a blessing waiting to happen? That every negative report, every frustration you deal with, you viewed that in a positive light as an opportunity to grow and to sharpen what you know and believe in the word of God. And this morning, I want to take a moment and look at a particular individual, a character in the Old Testament. And I believe we can extrapolate from the text some amazing principles that will help us in our lives. I believe that by whoever's watching, whoever's here, whoever's under the sound of my voice right now, I believe with all my heart that you are successful. I believe that there is wealth on the inside of you that is, that is still waiting to be released. I believe that there, every single person in here, their best days are still out in front of them. I believe with all my heart that you haven't seen anything yet. I believe that the more you spend time praying in the spirit, God will reveal things to your heart and to your mind that you thought were only dreams that he wants to do in your life. I believe that. But we have to view life through the proper lens and through the proper perspective in order to walk that out. So if you would go to 2 Kings chapter 5. In verse 9, we'll start there. It says, Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot and stood at the door of Elijah's house. And Elijah sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, and the King James, it says, and said to, or thought to himself, he said, self, indeed, <laughs> surely, uh, he will surely come out to me, referring to Elijah, and he'll stand and call the name of the Lord his God, and he'll wave his hand over the place, and he would heal the les- leprosy. Are not the Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. Servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says, just wash and be clean? Verse 14. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. The title of my message this morning is The Blessing of Inconvenience. The Blessing of Inconvenience. And before we hop back into this particular story, I, I would like to lay a foundation so we could all be at the same place because it's going to be paramount because it's going to be my springboard to really close out this message. And so before two parties can have a successful conversation, they must first define the terms. 
And so when I'm referring to inconvenience, what I'm referring to is trouble or difficulty caused to one's personal requirements or needs or comforts. Inconvenience is defined as trouble or difficulty caused to one's personal requirements, needs, or comforts. As I was doing some study about convenience in America, uh, there were a group of web articles that I just had to summarize for the sake of time. And what the web articles described is that inconvenience is antithetical to our current cultural climate. Inconvenience is completely against how the world today is set up. Come on, let's think about it for a moment. We have smart devices, but have they made us smarter? Nope. Mess around, two plus two is a, good Lord. We've had the advancement of social media and technology, but haven't you noticed it's made us antisocial? And y'all, this one tripped me out this week. I, I, I couldn't believe what I saw. I was like, Lord, have mercy. Jesus is coming back. Did y'all know that you can now have fast food delivered? Like it's fast food. Delivered. So we think about the, the, the toys, the gadgets, the, the conveniences that we all are accustomed to, subconsciously, it programs our mind to believe that Christianity is a convenient relationship. 2 Corinthians 1 and 3, the Bible says God is the God of all comfort. It did not say he was the God of all convenience. And the more I studied the word of God, and I looked from Genesis to Revelation. Then I went beyond the Bible and looked into natural, ordinary uh, men and women like you and I. There's a correlation between those who actually achieve success versus those who talked about success. And that difference is how much were they willing to be inconvenienced for what they believed in. Because again, if we go back to our definition, inconvenience is all about what I want. It's all about what I need, how I feel. And Christianity is actually built in with inconveniences that aren't necessarily things that feel good to us. Like walking in love. And I'm talking about Bible love here. Here's another one. Patience. Yes, yeah, so I say, ooh, stop cussing, stop cussing. <laughs> In fact, every good thing that comes from above requires us to be inconvenienced from our own way. So what happens is, the culture now 
permeates the kingdom. So people are not willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of what I got going on. And as I was studying this message, boy, the Lord went up one side, down the other, in love with me. Because I realized that due to my convenience, I put certain parameters up of what I will and would not do. Now, let's balance this out. Boundaries are good when established by the word. However, boundaries become shackles when I establish them that keep me away from the world. Innately, we are all selfish. All of us. All of us. How do I know that? We were uh, doing our equip session in one of the sessions with John Maxwell. He said, let me give you a test to show you how selfish people are. When you take a group picture or a ussy, you look at the picture for yourself. Yeah, you could post that. <laughs> but our demand for convenience is reflected in the condition of our soul. So our need to tend to our own needs and focus on ourselves is related to how healthy we are in dealing with our own feelings, our own emotions. The fact of the matter is, the reason why many need a, an abundant level of convenience is because they are too stressed to take time and rest. So because I haven't rested... I'm not confident that I can establish the proper boundaries and parameters. So therefore, I will avoid what I need to do altogether. So within our spirit, our spirit, the moment we're born again, our spirit is alive to God. Our spirit looks just like God. Because when we became born again, his spirit and our spirit were into covenant where we became one spiritually. However, there is a soulish realm that deals with our mind, our will, and our emotions that has to be renewed or lined up to what our spirit already is. So what happens is people get born again and they do nothing about how they think. Or, better yet, they take what they learn from the streets and streets meaning how we were raised and then interpret the scripture in light of our upbringing. I know the Bible says this But I know I'm supposed to, 
But let's, let's talk about one that, that most people don't like talking about because we love talking about the top five sins, smoking, drinking, sex, partying. Amen. Shouldn't do none of that. Let's talk about unforgiveness real quick. All right. It is inconvenient. See, yep, felt that. It is inconvenient for you to release the debt of apology from someone who didn't deserve it. It don't feel good. Marriage is inconvenient at times because it's beautiful every other time. But in those moments where you have to deny self and realize that if you weren't at gunpoint on your wedding day, you said them vows. And because you said those vows, nothing in those vows had any condition in them. Glad we're having a good time this morning. So how they act is none of your business. But you don't, I don't have to, you picked them. (laughs) But I want us to take a deeper look at Naaman because he's the one that we're going to focus in on today. So let's go back to verse 1. In 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1 says, Now Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but... A leper. What stands out to me in just this one text alone, number one, that even though it didn't say that he was a mighty man of God, it still said that God gave him success. And, and, and one of the misnomers is that if, if I'm not saved, I won't be successful. That's not true. We know a lot of people who are successful, quote unquote, but not saved. And, and the, the thought is because I'm successful, then I really don't need God. Because I have this education, I have this position, I have this level of wealth, then my dependence on God is is null and void. I don't need that. Well, the only problem with that is anytime I place my security in my role, I place my security in my title, I place my security in my compensation, what happens is we become insecure because those things can go away. In the back of our mind, we're wondering, when is this show going to end? And our security can only be found in God, who said that because of him, we have everything that we need. And so you can take the house, you can take the job, you can have the title. You don't even have to give me money. But as long as I have God by my side, I have everything I need in this life. And so we end up trying to protect our conveniences because they're tied to temporary things. But we have to realize that in the kingdom of God, it works completely opposite to the world system. You see, in the world system, 
in order to gain something, in order to add something, if I had one pair of shoes and I wanted two pair of shoes, what I would have to do is go buy a pair of shoes. I have to add. And, and so the world thinks about how can I add to my life? How can I add to myself? But what I love about the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of God works completely opposite to what the world operates. And you see, in the word of God, in order to multiply, see, God doesn't work with our little calculator. God is into multiplying and folding over and good measure and running over. That's, that's how he operates. But in, but in order to work in that particular environment, the Bible says that I need to subtract something in order to gain something. You know, Luke 6.38 says, give Subtract and it shall be given unto you. He says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That doesn't make any sense in my mind that when I'm subtracting something, I'm multiplying. Well, the word of God doesn't make sense because it's faith. The word of God doesn't make sense to our natural mind. That's why we can't use our natural mind to tell God what we will and won't do. So if you want to leave the place of always trying to add something and go to a place of exponential return, follow the kingdom route. So as we look back at Naaman, he was successful even though he wasn't born again because God was with him. Come on, y'all. Romans 2.4. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. God has got to be good to some of these folk that don't even think he's real. Because when they're not in front of you and at home, they know I could not have amassed all this wealth in my own lifetime. And it's because of his goodness that he pulls people in. Now, now if he's willing, let this encourage you, if he's willing to do that for somebody who wasn't born again, how much more you? Where, where do we get off thinking that God's going to just switch up the game on us when we're his children? Come on, now you don't even do that to your own children. You want to choke them with no emotion. You know, good and well, why are you choking them? saying, I, I love you, though. They're going to have to resuscitate you. We, no, we don't advocate that here at Linked Up Church. We don't believe. But how many of y'all know growing up, some of them whoopers we got, they weren't legal. I love you, mom. <laughs> but then it goes on to talk about Naaman and said, Naaman had this great reputation. He was honorable. He was a man of valor. But he was a leper. It's pulled on my heartstrings because I kind of can identify with Naaman. See, I can recognize the things that God has gifted me to do, but in my own life, I have a few buts. I call it being gifted with issues. Come on now. Come on now. I recognize that there's things I do well, but I'm a little inconsistent. I am happy to announce to you all today that I have completely turned over my diet. These have been the best 12 hours of my life. <laughs> Eating nothing but 100% organic paper products because they're plant-based. 
So I deal with a level of inconsistency, okay? Y'all want me to keep telling on myself? You know, I, don't say yes, because I'm going to put the microphone in your mouth. <laughs> you know, a little moody at times, eh, you know, hard to deal with, eh? Don't say amen. Why y'all saying amen? That means you're supposed to say, oh, no, you. So you can't get caught up to folks up here on this stage. God has graced me for this time that I am with you. But, Lord, there's more grace on my wife to deal with me. Talk about, ooh, why can't you be like the pastor? Why can't you be like the pastor's wife? Y'all could tell I was on vacation this week. (laughs) But leprosy was a major disease in that society. In fact, the Bible called it the state of the living dead. So we can apply leprosy to physical ailments. We can also apply leprosy to personal and spiritual ailments, emotional ailments. That you're walking around, but inside, you're dying. You put a smile on your face, but inside there's something that's eating away at you because that's exactly what leprosy did. Leprosy ate away at the nervous system, meaning that that after a period of time, they no longer felt the disease that was eating them from the inside out. And unfortunately, in churches today, We have people who are hurting from the inside out, and it's eating away at your feeling, at your ability to connect. Spouses, you are not healthy when it's dysfunctional. You're saying, I don't even feel it no more. That's not not healthy. It's like putting your hand on the stove and saying, I don't even feel it no more. It's all good. Well, we're smiling on camera, but behind the scenes, We're the living dead. That leprosy, in the word of God, there were times where leprosy was attributed to a person's sin. And I'm I'm a real purist in the word, so if it didn't say something, I'm not going to say it for us today. So since it didn't say how Naaman received leprosy, leprosy was contagious, we can say that because of the fall of man, that something negative impacted his life. We can say that based off of our authority in Scripture. And he was a leper, don't know how. But we can say because of the sin nature that's in the world, he was now dealing with a negative situation. And so we fast forward this story for the sake of time. Verse 2, they uh, go on a raid and they... uh, take captive a maid who now lives with the wife of Naaman. And when she uh, was, you know, held captive, she looked at Naaman like, ooh, you got something going on with him. And she went to his wife, and he told his wife, and she told his wife that, hey, you know, I see your husband over there. I know a guy who can take care of that. And, and you know, I know the scripture doesn't say this, but I want to take some liberty with the text, if you all don't mind. Can we take some liberty with the text? So between verses 3 and 4, is the time that Naaman found out that there was an answer 
to the time that he actually did something about it. And, and, and I just read in the text, because I like having fun reading the Bible. I could just see Naaman's wife like, baby, you know you need to get that checked out. <laughs> I don't know if your foot's supposed to do that. <laughs> and like us husbands, oh, baby, need some lotion. <laughs> lotion. Watch out. And I, and I could almost see that, that Naaman being a person of prestige that, you know, he tried to hide it as long as he could until he came out to get him. And, and it, it taught me that the things that we don't expose will enslave us. That's, the, that's really the, the, the need and the purpose for, for being a part of small groups. Small groups is, is less about what curriculum are we studying to more about, hey, I need to be open and transparent with you because there's some things that I want to build a relationship here where we can share and talk about so that I can get this out in the open and I'm not the only one dealing with this personal battle. You know, we, we, we really can't act like that we can just come to church and act like everything is well with everyone when deep down in the back of our mind we know we just feel like it's an inconvenience to care. And so we need those, those settings and those times where we can come together and be honest and transparent. Or if there's people that we're already honest and transparent with, we just need to add a little structure to it and have a set meeting time. What I realize, what you don't plan, you don't do. Like it baffles my mind. You know, over the last 20 or so years, the trend in church attendance has been declining south. And that's, that's, that, 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 that's kind of odd to me because... I think the most important thing we can do is come together for a recharge. But, but I'm not going to do this, but if I did ask for a show of hands of how many people put today's service in their calendar, most people didn't do that. It's kind of a, ah, uh, we'll see. See how I feel. It's my only off day. You know, I can catch it. Oh, it just got real quiet. But if we had an important meeting, for instance, if I said that if you met me at our main office on next Saturday at 7.17 a.m. and you can't be late, easy, three million. How many alerts would you set for our meeting next Saturday? Your house sound like the Vatican, just bells going off everywhere. Why? Because you value the transaction that will take place when we get together. There is a word in that book, that tablet, that you're looking at, that the only way that it gets started and activated is through voice. And it's something about when we get together and we hear different signs because 1 Corinthians 13 says we all see in part, we all know in part. But when we get the parts together, we get a whole picture 
And it just could be something that we hear. Like when I'm talking right now, yes, even though my words are coming out of my mouth, the Holy Spirit is talking to each and every one of you about adjustments and changes. That's what we're going for. That's why we come together. Because if we could all do life on our own, we wouldn't need anybody else. But I've realized in life that I can't do this life by myself. I can't do this life alone. I'm not a self-made anything. The only reason I am successful is because of Jesus Christ. And the only reason I've had any level of transformative change in my life is that I've been around individuals that have helped to sharpen me. You can't be in a corner in the dark alone by yourself and believe you're going to grow. Because if you could have, you would have. But you didn't have. And I'm telling you, we have got to get through the inconvenience of actually making friends. It's going to require us to become more vulnerable. It's going to require us to become more open. It's going to require us to trust again. Let me sit right here. Let me, let me, let me tell you why we don't want to trust. Because we don't know where to put it. You are made to trust. But if we don't know where to place it, then we'll be putting it in the wrong places, ends up getting abused, and then we don't use it. Well, that trust is a part of us. See, what I've learned is take every expectation off of everybody. Everybody. Let, 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 let me shock you. Even my wife. I have no expect, expectations on her to be anything other than what God has created her to be. And whatever the Lord says she should do and be, that's fine with me because I stood up. I said that I would love you. But now let's, 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 let's go on the other side because y'all be like, you should have heard what Minister Vinny said today. <laughs> on the other side, there's no greater woman than that woman right there in my life. Because she doesn't put expectations on me. Marriage was not designed to be stressful. But what happens is folk go into it with no information. Except they last marriage or last relationship. And they're willing to be inconvenienced on their own ways that either got them dumped or divorced. And be who God made them to be in this relationship. I don't care how old you are. I'm going to be this way. Says who? Inconvenience yourself. Yeah. Surrender your plan. Luke 22, I believe 42 and 43, 44, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? I'll just finish part two later. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
And Jesus, y'all, he had to be inconvenienced. Come on now. Did he sin? One time? But had to pay for all of them? And even his soul was troubled with the thought of pain. Pain is connected to our root of pride within us. That's why when you see people who have a hard time bending to the word and shaping to the word, they're fighting their pride. Because it wouldn't hurt you to change if you didn't value your pride over what God said. Well, how are they going to view me? How are they going to look at that? What are people thinking? What will they say? It's no way to live your life. It's no way to live your life. Because you are going to be living by the opinions of changing people. You've got to be rooted in this word. Got to be rooted in what God has said about your life and not be willing to abandon that for anything. There is no person that's too far off for the grace of God. There is no marriage that is too far off for the healing power of God. But the question now becomes. Will we humble ourselves enough to allow God to change the patterns of behavior that we've had for so long? Next service, I'll probably get to where the further you are outside of your comfort zone is the deeper you are into your success zone. Amen. That's all my time, folks. But I want to pray for some people in here today. God is so good. And the blessing of inconvenience, to tell you the end of the story, is that Naaman was willing to inconvenience himself to be miraculously healed of something that was plaguing him that science at the time couldn't cure. They tried to send money. The money didn't cure it. They wanted to go get Medicine and the medicine in, in those days was different rituals that they did, the Levitical priesthood. They didn't do it. The only thing that was able to heal him was obedience to the word to the point of inconveniencing his self. Amen. Let's stand. Hallelujah.
this morning by the Spirit of God. I know I was talking with specific hearts and specific minds today. And there are some decisions that are going to have to be made for your benefit. You know, when Paul was writing the New Testament, he said, I'm writing this not for my own good. This is for your good. You see, God desires to inconvenience us from our will so that he can shape us to be who he's created us to be. So that we could enjoy life the way he designed for us to enjoy it. By the spirit of God, there have been people, you've been doing things your own way. I've got great news for you. Today you can start a new chapter. Today marks the new you. And don't talk negative to yourself when things don't look the way they should or you end up having a bad day. Can I be honest? We all have bad days. But we also serve a good God who is greater than any bad day we could have. And the key is, you know, I was playing sports. It was all about the next play. Might have missed a block here. Might have missed something there. Coach said, Thomas, don't get down on yourself. Get it back the next time. This morning is your next time. So at every eye close, because I want this to be personal between you and God. But if you're a person out there today, and again, I'm talking directly.